This is Teacher Answers, a podcast that takes high school students' questions and answers them in the most no-nonsense way possible. My name is Sam Griffin, 27-year veteran teacher and examiner of the teenage brain. Come with me and explore why high school students do what they do. Hello and welcome to the Teacher Answers podcast. My name is Sam Griffin. Welcome to episode 55, where we are going to talk about a touchy subject these days. It is going to be called, What is Science? I kid you not, what is science? Joining me today to help with this is a fellow science teacher, one of my son's favorite teachers, and all-around swell, smart guy, David Mowry. Welcome, David. Well, thank you, Sam. Tell me a little bit about yourself, David, and your role here at Mideast. I am one of the science instructors on staff here at Mideast. I teach primarily life sciences. I teach biology and environmental science primarily. And I have a degree in wildlife biology from Ohio University. And I did some help with the research project for them before I came here. Yeah. Now, one thing we do here on this show is steer clear of politics. So we're going to try to do that. Now, we are going to talk about mass. Okay. How could we, how could we not? Because... You know, I try to, I try to come up with things that are current, and you know, you watch the news, right? Yes. Okay, so you know, wh- whatever we both believe doesn't matter. But we, but as science people, we believe in the pursuit of truth. Okay, which is basically what science is. I have a definition here. I'm going to read in a minute, and I want your feelings on it, but. I heard on the news someone screaming science isn't real don't believe in science so if if that is being put on the news our students are hearing that right and so <clears throat> we need to talk about this because science is one of those one of those pure things that isn't tainted by politics in any way it is well here's the definition is the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment that's a pretty good definition of what science is at no point did that come up with different belief systems or what you believe you know, it, it's it's the pursuit of what happens and why it happens. So, what we're going to do here is talk about how science, and I think this is what people are hung up on, and feel free to chime in on what you think people mean by they don't believe in science or we shouldn't follow science or stuff, stuff like that. What... Um, What would you say to that notion of suddenly we should throw uh, science out the window, not follow science? Obviously, as a science teacher and someone with a science background, I would certainly argue against it. I find it humorous, I think, that they're on TV and streaming on the internet for example, that are direct results of science arguing that we shouldn't even bother with it. Mm-hmm. 
So it's it's not practical and it's not accurate. We can't get along without science. That's responsible for most of the advancements we enjoy now. Before, I, I'm not going to go back and worry about dates or anything, but before the scientific revolution, we started formalizing the ground rules of modern science. We essentially had the wheel, fire, and pointy sticks, and that was about it. Yeah. And you know, now look at us. You're recording this. I don't know how many weeks in advance. In August, right. For example, among many others. I mean, none of this would be possible without science. You'd have seven or eight sisters and brothers and hope that a handful of them survive till adulthood if you were lucky. You know, just a couple of ideas off the top of my head. So it's whether or not they like science is, I would argue it's irrelevant. It is what it is. Right. I mean, I could ask you, you know, if you said the sky was green. Mm-hmm. Okay, you really like green. It's your favorite color. You read it in a book somewhere that the sky was green. If you go outside and look, is that ultimately going to change anything? Right. So, <laughs> that's kind of my thought on it. You, the world, one of my former supervisors from not Mideast said, the world is what it is, not what we want it to be, so we better suck it up and deal with it. Right. I think, I think all of the, well, I mean, Isaac Newton said, if I've seen further than others, this was the 1600s, right? If I've seen further than others, it's because I've stood on the shoulders of giants. That's a very famous Newton quote. If I got it a little bit wrong, you get the idea. I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he had a point, right? It's the, the point is you build on top of it. So the result of what we have now is, well, roughly 2,600 years or so, give or take a little bit. At least that's written history, going back to uh, Pythagoras, which was probably one of the first really published mathematicians and and scientists. So, Um, science changes. What happened, and what what has what has caused this? I'm convinced. I've, I've been paying attention, you know, and I think what caused this was a quote. Now we're talking mask wearing and COVID-19 here. This is what caused this. And it's the reason why I want to record this is there was a quote by Fauci, Dr. Fauci in the beginning that said, you know, someone asked him, this was at the very beginning when there were extremely few cases in America, should we be wearing masks right now? And he did say on the record, no. Okay. Now, people still use that. It's like, well, did he say, you know, and they flip-flop. And this, and some people think, well, science shouldn't change like that. It either is this or is this. And the fact is, history is full of examples of where science has changed its mind. You know, we're going to talk about a lot of examples of that, but you are way more of an expert at, like, you know, biology type disease type stuff than I am. So give, give me and everybody listening to this, your thoughts on how someone with that kind of record, like, like a Dr. Fauci could say something like you shouldn't wear a mask back in March. And then now it's like, you're crazy if you don't. So what has caused that in your opinion? One of the things that I've noticed, and this is all very anecdotal, of course, but 
we don't like flip-flopping in this country. Mm-hmm. I've, I've noticed that. It's politically, again, not to get political on either side, but it's, it's a death sentence. You said this once, now you're saying the opposite thing. We can't trust you. and People don't understand, for whatever reason, that's not how science works. It's okay and even encouraged to flip-flop in science based on better data. Mm-hmm. When There have been a couple articles uh, published in the last couple of weeks about this exact issue, doctors admitting that they got it wrong the first time. Um, Fauci did say that. I remember that quote, and I wondered about it myself at the time. And now, as more data has come in, we see we were mistaken. And, the, and that happens a lot. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And the problem is a lot of people don't realize, or they just don't want to admit, we said this the first time, we got it wrong, how can we trust everything? Mm-hmm. When I go through this with my students, I liken it to a coin toss. If you toss a quarter in the air, you're getting heads or tails, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say it's heads. Mm-hmm. All right, so we did our test, we got our data, our result is it's heads, so therefore coin tosses come out heads, right? Mm-hmm. But if you do another one, you're not guaranteed the same result, though. You might get heads, you might get tails. Mm-hmm. And if you do 10 of them, you're probably going to get pretty close to 5 and 5. Maybe you get 6 and 4, maybe you get 7 and 3. Stuff mm-hmm. happens, but it's definitely overriding. Well, not overriding, that's a poor choice of words but adding to your original data. And if you kept flipping that coin a million times, it's going to be pretty darn close to 50-50, assuming everything's equal. Right. And any differences you get are likely going to be negligible. You get, you know, what would be 500,001 versus 499,099. That one coin toss at the beginning is not going to be the deal breaker. It's going to be negligible. Right. So as more data comes in, we get a more complete picture, especially dealing with... And new and emerging viruses. Viruses are tricky under the best of circumstances. We, we don't have a cure for the common cold or any of the best we can hope for is a vaccine at some point. Right. And so this is a tough field to be in. So the preliminary studies, I, I mean, not to be negative, but I can't say I'm really all that surprised that this happened. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it does. I'm going to read you something. I This... This is one of the. I would love to know who wrote this, because I don't. I didn't write it down. Okay, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> but th- this this is important. It says uh, <clears throat> knowledge cannot grow in a culture that is convinced that all ancient knowledge must be correct and unquestioned. Here it is again. That that one kind of blew me away a little bit. I, I, make a vinyl sticker of that one on the wall knowledge cannot grow in a culture that is convinced that all ancient knowledge must be correct and unquestioned now this is probably referring to historical stuff right um but it also is extremely relevant to this it's like people i I think a lot of people these days were paying attention very closely and you know and as as people who you know work and we got families and this kind of thing you can't pay attention to everything but people were paying attention to COVID-19 I mean I don't know how many times on the news they taught me how to wash my hands and don't forget your pinky fingers right (laughs) don't forget your pinky fingers and I, I was thinking oh my gosh I've been forgetting my pinky fingers this whole time but this this stuff does change and they've been very transparent about it like every interview and thing I've listened to from the healthcare world says we learn more 
about what we don't understand about this thing every day than we learn about what we do understand or what we've already understood about it. So it's constantly changing. Is that science? Yeah, and that's um, this isn't on my cheat sheet here. You jogged my memory, though. This is a particular problem in medicine. If you know your history, um, for example, one of our first well-known physicians was Galen mm -hmm. in the Roman Empire, and he wrote all these textbooks, and he was the gold standard for medicine for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. But the problem is there was a huge taboo in the Roman Empire. You weren't allowed to operate on corpses. It wasn't officially illegal, but it might as well have been. So when he published his work, he had used information from when he was treating gladiators who gotten sliced open in the arena and you know, look quick because now you got to sew them up and fix them. Right. Or he would use animals. He was notorious for using Barbary apes, which are close, but obviously not the same as humans. Mm -hmm. So he took what he learned from that and he transposed it to humans. So the origins and insertions of the muscles are all wrong and there's numerous other things. Uh, the reading parabola and the brain that he preached doesn't actually exist. Mm -hmm. But he had a very famous quote toward one of the end of his books, and I'm going to have to paraphrase, I don't recall off the top of my head, but he said, he who knows my work knows medicine. And that was it. If you wanted to be a doctor for over a thousand years, you had to study Galen, and it wasn't later until Andreas Vesalius in the uh, mid-1500s, I think, in Italy, started looking at this stuff, and he he had dissected actual human corpses and realized this is all wrong. He couldn't find the Reedy Mirabola, and he had to write his book, and he was still ignored for largely 100 years, mm. or more, probably. I mean, even as far as the Civil War, Stonewall Jackson would raise his arms before battle to drain his humors back into balance, whatever that means, but it was all <laughs> out of Galen. You know, this is 1860-65, I think, before yeah. when he died, So, and this idea that you know this ancient knowledge and it's unchanging and correct it basically stunted medical knowledge for millennia mm -hmm. at that point so it has to change we have to accept that people make mistakes we get better data and it's okay to override stuff mm -hmm. as long as we did our science correctly of course right <clears throat> and you know historically people would publish papers right that's pretty much what they would do a scientist would study something or it could be a mathematician too. Um, and they would study something and when they thought they got it as right as possible and they really tried to poke holes in their theories and they went through the scientific method, you know, where you observe and ask a question and hypothesize about it and make predictions and then do experiments on it and redo that until you feel solid that it's right. And so then you would publish a work and then someone else would come along and take that <clears throat> and say, mm, either improve on it and go, you know, off to the right with it or off to the left with it and do something else. And that is what Newton was talking about, the on the shoulders of giants comment I made. But like, or you would figure out that it's total garbage, wrong, which has also happened. I mean, for example, <clears throat> so we'll go back and forth on historical examples here for a few minutes. When something, a projectile, like a cannonball, okay, or something, something along those lines would fly through the air, people would think that the reason why it flew through the air is because the air was squeezing it like if you took your, like a wet hand and a bar of soap and you went like that and the soap would squirt out from your hand when you applied pressure to it they thought that that's how it worked and then newton came along with this whole gravity thing 
and realize that no, when you shoot a projectile, it's immediately starting to fall back down. It just is, it's fighting gravity on the way up. It's coming back down. Hey, look at the shape of that. That's a parabola, quadratic equation, you know, and he started applying math to all that. And you know, what was accepted up until the 1600s was that absolute garbage that they thought was correct. But that's the thing at the time, you know, you're going with what you have. So with this math thing, mask thing right now, kind of, kind of, cause I want to kind of show that it's the same, you know, with, with the mask thing, it's, we're going with what we have right now. You know, it's, it's unclear to me what is going to happen three months from now. It, who knows what could happen? It could be all over with, or, you know, I scare me for a minute. What is the worst thing that could happen? With, with this pandemic disease thing. No, I think the worst, and this is purely hypothetical, yeah. would be you know, we're on our track to the vaccine. We think we've got a general idea on the mask, but if this thing mutates, we're right back to square one, and it's going to be just as bad, and if not worse. I mean, this has a... <laughs> there's a lot of possibilities for this to get even worse. We'll have to be in total lockdown, a total quarantine. So I, I don't think that's necessarily likely, not to frighten anybody, but the possibility does exist. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, when this started, <clears throat> all the scientists said it's, it's, it's a two-year process. You yeah. know, it's like you, you, you come out for a while, you go back in. You come out for a while, you go back in. They've said that since March, you know, when this happened. So, <sighs> Knowledge cannot grow in a culture that's convinced that all ancient knowledge must be correct and unquestioned. We have to question it. But we can't be foolish enough it was i think it was neil degrasse tyson who said you have to be smart enough to know when you're wrong you know it, this is really important it's like you you have to be smart enough to know okay what i'm saying right now is just complete bullcrap you know my theory on this and i'm saying that you know all of these doctors worldwide agree on something is wrong maybe i'm the one that's wrong on that one so all right there's my projectiles from isaac newton what, what do you got what what has changed through history that we once thought was right but now is it well the big example from biology would be evolutionary theory i mean that's the textbook case for this for a long time we didn't think species really changed for a variety of reasons because you know you look out the window day to day a dog's a dog a cat's a cat but once we start getting new geological evidence, the fossil record gets filled in a little bit more, we start to see that's not the case. And um, George Cuvier in France collected enough specimens and realized animals are going extinct. You know, the Irish elk's a big animal. It's too big to walk through the forest because of its antlers. It's mm -hmm. probably not out there hiding somewhere at that size. And right. His disciple Lamarck put forth a theory of evolution based on acquired characteristics. For example, if a giraffe reached up to get higher leaves off a tree or whatever mm -hmm. some kind of really poorly defined life force would make its neck grow longer and he had a whole system worked out for this his book is it's a trip yeah. but anyway but these longer necks that would grow during the parents lifetime would get passed on to the kids and that's how species changed over time and obviously darwin came along very famously and blew that out of the water and mm -hmm. this but lamarck's idea stuck around to the early 20th century 
there was a German physicist, uh, excuse me, a German geneticist, August Weissman, who did a very famous experiment with mice. And all right, well, if you're acquiring characteristics, I'll take the parent mice and I'll chop their tails off, and their kids will be born without tails. Then, if Lamarck is correct, and so he did this generation after generation, and they, well, look, they're not even getting shorter. Mm-hmm. So you know that changed over time, and especially when we rediscovered Mendel's work and pulled genetics into the picture. And, and Mendel's work's been modified since then as well. The, it's not simple dominance and recessive. There's co-dominance, incomplete dominance, epigenetics, and a hundred other things that drive my students nuts in the winter quarter. <laughs> but, you know, and all that's been superseded within the last 200 years, and that's a huge revolution to the point where we can now manipulate DNA. Mm-hmm. So. When I was in elementary school, I had a, like when I was a little kid, I was all about dinosaurs, right? T-Rex, just that was my jam. The the stegos, not the stegosaurus, the one with the whole, Triceratops, right? I love that. They were like superheroes to me, all right? And I remember having a conversation. I don't know what grade it was. I mean, how you had little books. I mean, it was the 70s, but they, they had the books. And I said, I said to my teacher, I'm like, wait a second. Like, I had this, I had this like giant light bulb appear above my little seven-year-old body. And I said, wait a second, how did these things die? Like, if you're telling me this thing is however many feet tall, I can't remember exactly, but really big, then nothing killed them. I said, now how do you, where'd they go? And their answer was, volcano killed them. Or, and they drowned in the tar pits. That was the thing. They drowned in the tar pits. And I'm like, What? Okay, and I, you know, you you believe whatever it was, and <clears throat> now we know that's not true. It, it, they were blasted into, <laughs> obliterated by a six-mile-wide asteroid that hit in the Yucatan Peninsula. I mean, you can see the dent from space, and sonar happened, and that improved. And they're like, "Hey, wait a second! There's a giant dent." I mean, if you look at the moon, right? It's been slammed by medi- big meteors, asteroids, whatever. It's been hit. That's what, that's what you're looking at. And Earth, if you were to rip off all of the... Th- this is a mind blower to me. Like If you were to rip off all the ground and the water, the Earth would look exactly like the moon. It's been slammed too. And we're due, right? Yes, we you are. You see this in the news uh, every once in a while about... Oh, there's a one in two hundred percent or one in two hundred chance. This last one I saw, that's pretty high. If I had a one in two hundred percent chance of playing the lottery, I'd drop a lot of money on that to take a chance. There was one this morning, the asteroid Apophis in 2068. They're uh, revising the odds. (laughs) Right, not encouraging. Yeah, I mean, so it does. These these things change. that water, Earth, you know, Earth's the only place you can get water in the solar system. Total garbage. There's with, with a technology now and camera improvements and photography from space, sp- you can see ice caps on Mars. And they think there's like 300, what is it? I forget. It, on the moon, I had this number a second ago. But in like the craters of the moon, there's ice. So, you know. There's a there's a push to go back to the moon now, you know, and Mars. Mars is fascinating to me because we'll be 
we will we will be watching human beings in the next i give it 10 to 15 years walking around mars taking selfies that is i i really hope that helps bring people together a little bit more you know there was a time where i was like i, I really thought to myself global pandemic right i thought well maybe that will take human beings and make them think i guess we're all equal you know but it didn't and here we are <laughs> it didn't what does what would have to happen <laughs> you know in, in order for humans to kind of get over themselves and, and the beliefs. So, uh, all right. Do, do you have another one? How it changed over, over the, uh, course of history. One of my personal favorites, if you want a really concrete example, this mm -hmm. would be the discovery of the coelacanth. The coelacanth is a lobe-finned fish, and it's ancient. It appeared about 409 million years ago at the beginning of the Devonian period, mm -hmm. when most of our modern fish start to show up in the fossil record. And then 66 million years ago, about a million years before the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, it just disappears. Mm -hmm. And, well, we haven't seen it for 66 million years. We assume it's gone. Yeah. And then in 1938, they discover a whole population of them off the coast of Madagascar. And then later on, another population over in, um, I believe, Indonesia in the Indian Ocean. It's kind of hard to argue for extinction when they're still around, kicking around down there. Right. And they've done a lot of work since then. They thought it was, it's a lobed fin fish, so it has bones covered by skin for its fins rather than the ray fins that you normally see in like aquarium fish. Mm -hmm. So they thought it was the last shared ancestor between marine and terrestrial vertebrates, animals with backbones. And that was the prevailing theory for a long time until 2013 when Chris Amemia and Neil Shubin did a, a genome sequence on it. And we found out that's not the case at all. And the lungfish is actually what they were looking for. And hmm. Neil Shubin's the guy that did the Inner Fish book. It was a documentary about him on PBS. I think it's up on Netflix or Amazon. It's really neat if you ever get a chance to look at it. But they go into a great detail about this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that's been overhauled multiple times within the last hundred years, mm -hmm. just as we get more information coming in. I mean, they were reasonable guesses to begin with, but they just turned out to be wrong. Right. So moving forward and wrapping this up, then, the, the point is, people, science, uh, and we, we've talked for 20 minutes about this, science changes. It's important to know that that is part of science, is, is to build on top of what you have and try to poke holes in theories that you're making you know i mean we're just now proving some stuff that einstein said in 1920 still i mean we now have the technology to look at uh planet mercury to know that it wobbles around in a way that he predicted a hundred years ago it's unbelievable and this is why um, we do need to we do need to pay attention to this stuff, but we need to pay attention not through political lenses, but through the pursuit of the truth. Because when you put the political lenses on what whichever party or TV channel you're listening to, it, it makes it look different. You know, it's like putting green colored sunglasses on well everything looks green you know so science is 
pure science doesn't have a filter and it is open for interpretation and those who are studying it have a feeling of please correct me if i'm wrong you know and let's work together you know it's a it's a thing where it's collaborative you know so recommendations for pandemic for the rest of this when's it going to be over what, what do we think summer next summer my gut instinct again i'm not a doctor right i want to emphasize that we're just guessing but i think things will probably settle down around next summer and then hopefully they'll have the vaccine ready by next christmas or next winter if the possibility exists i think it'll be a lot like we saw we lock down for a while things get a little bit better we open up again and then it starts to get cold and we see another wave that would not be all that unexpected i think at this point so you're saying next christmas i think that was not like in a month no not yet 2021 no it's not going to happen this winter unless that vaccine gets approved and rushed into production and even then that's even if we have it that's a logistic issue at that point right right all right well i i appreciate you coming on here and i i don't think that was super technical i think we kept it understandable (laughs) but i i appreciate you coming on here and uh any last words of wisdom to the people the one thing i've been thinking about and i think this was neil degrasse tyson as well he said questioning everything is good that's good science but it doesn't do any good if you question things but don't accept the answers you get that's right you know oh something you just reminded me he has do you do you uh, have tiktok by any chance i do not okay you need tiktok man everybody everybody needs it okay so he has a tiktok channel this is where he makes 30 second videos quick ones boom done like quick ones and he answers viewer questions in 30 seconds it's quite hysterical and one of the things he asked and this is what we'll leave with here today he said uh, if if aliens landed what would you ask them you know that might be the thing that unites humanity right there the mothership landing that's when we're all equal sorry no (laughs) political things happen there but okay so anyway the mothership lands the big close encounter doorway opens and the ramp comes out and the aliens come out and what would neil degrasse tyson ask him you know what he said he goes do your leaders reject science (laughs) that's what he said i thought i said that's it's snarky but it's it's quite uh fitting for this for this episode so all right that's it episode 50 what are we on 55 you guys have a good one talk to you soon you have been listening to teacher answers if you would like to submit a question drop me an email at teacher answers at gmail.com or you can leave me a voicemail on the anchor podcast site anchor.fm slash teacher answers 